What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents podcast. Thank you for tuning into the program once again. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Friday. And if you want to help support the podcast in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes and clicking write a review, giving the podcast five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so. And that will help propel the podcast into the tops of those iTunes charts and help strangers find the podcast and give it more visibility on the national and international level. Super helpful and a free way to contribute to the sustainability of this thing. And I appreciate the hell out of everybody that's already taken the time to do so. Stoked to get into this one, man. Episode 203 is a big one. Mike and the Moon Pies on the podcast. Uh, got to sit down with Mike himself and uh, Adam Oder, who is the... Uh, the producer of these last couple Moon Pie records and uh, just a killer producer and and uh, has become a big part of the uh, the process, the, the creative process in this band and uh, is also the manager of the band. So that's killer. And um, yeah, it was a super fun hang. We're going to get into it uh, momentarily. Um, please check out the Dan Cable Presents youtube channel where you can find a uh, bunch of in-studio performances live performances from uh, around here in portland oregon of music of all genres from singer songwriter to rap and hip-hop and jazz so it's it's kind of all over the place but something for uh, everyone up there and there's like 150 videos up on that YouTube channel, so click subscribe there as well if you want to uh, be tuned in to new videos dropping. It's been a while since uh, studio sessions or any live sessions have happened, but uh, hoping to uh, put something on the calendar for this year for doing some more uh, film production type things. DanCablePresents.com is the central location to find everything. The new episode goes up there every Friday when it's available. But, uh, yeah, if you just click subscribe wherever you're listening to it from, then uh, then you'll just know when the new episode's available and you don't have to go... You don't have to go fishing for it. You don't have to go wondering when's that new episode up because it's just going to appear right in that feed for you. And uh, you can hit me with emails... At Dan Cable Presents. Oh, there's no at sign. I always want to do that now because of Instagram. It's just Dan Cable Presents at gmail.com and uh, at Dan Cable Presents on Instagram. You can, uh, you know, try to try to send a DM there or something. If you have some uh, some questions, some complaints, uh, if you want to suggest maybe a band that, that should be on this podcast or maybe featured on one of the playlist episodes, send it all. Send it all my way. If you're an artist listening and you want to send some music 
you want to uh, come on for a chat, send some music my way. Always, uh, always looking for uh, for new things to listen to. And one of the ways that I've been finding out about some new bands and some new tunes the last few years is this Pickathon Music Festival up here, just outside of Portland, Oregon. It's only a few minutes from where I live, which is killer. But a few years ago, I uh, I got my first exposure to this festival thanks to Vortex Music Magazine, who's a local publication based out of Portland, Oregon. They're about to have their sixth birthday, April 19th, man. Six years of Vortex Magazine, April 19th at the Doug Fur. That's going to be a cool party. Stoked about that one. But Chris Young, who's the editor-in-chief there, he uh, he threw my name into the mix to become one of the uh, the interviewers for the, the Pickathon series, that the interview series that, that Pickathon does for their YouTube channel and and uh, it's just this really cool opportunity to to chat it up with some of the bands on the lineup and uh, Pickathon is just this really amazing music festival in which you go to and and maybe don't know too much about any of the bands there except for a couple and uh, and you leave knowing about your new favorite bands and um, getting to do the interviews the last few years I'm kind of put in this space where i'm chatting with people whose music i wouldn't have known about otherwise or maybe just don't dive deep into that genre some a particular genre sometimes and and it's just been this incredible thing that i have uh been fortunate enough to get to do the last few years and it, it's uh it's blown my mind and this last year was super fun because it was my third year doing it and uh feeling like i'm just like kind of really settling into the format of what we're doing over there with these these types of interviews and um one of the bands that i got to talk to this past year the 2019 pickathon was mike and the moon pies this ripping fucking country rock and roll band from austin texas that i didn't know about before and in preparation for talking to Mike that day at Pickathon, I, uh, you know, I was I dove deep into the records and and really started to dig the tunes. And um, luckily, that Friday that I got to talk to him at the festival, their their set was scheduled for an hour or so before our chat, and I got to see them play this afternoon set around twelve thirty, one o'clock in the afternoon. And started my day with Mike and the Moon Pies and was just absolutely blown away by the musicianship in this band. Everybody is just like a monster player. And just, yeah, so fucking good. And um, just really cool tunes and crazy good energy for, for kicking the day off. And just really enjoyed it. And then... An hour later, got to hang out with Mike and talk with him a bit and um, got to know where these tunes come from and, and his upbringing with music a bit. And Adam was uh, accompanying Mike over to the interview area and I got to 
Adam didn't do the interview with us, but I got to chat with Adam a little bit, and and he also seemed like a rad dude. And so I told them after uh, after we wrapped that one that I did this podcast out of Portland. So next time they came through, I would love to get to chat with both of them. And uh, what do you know? Mike and the Moon Buys rolled through Portland last week, and uh, I hit up Adam, and we sat down in the green room at Polaris Hall for about an hour, 45 minutes to an hour, and got to hang out with both of these dudes, and it was such a fun chat. Mike, I told Mike during the conversation that's recorded, I believe, somewhere in there, that 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 was one of my favorite interviews of the weekend and just really enjoyed his story, and, and he just seemed like such a cool and down-to-earth dude, um, as did Adam. And uh, so it was just super rad to get to connect with these guys and um it's cool to hear that that people are uh receiving all the music that they're putting out um in a very warm fashion so i know uh you know these are dudes that have been making records for a long time so it's it's rad to see that payoff in the in that way and them getting to tour to cities that they've never been before to to rooms where people know their songs is is a very cool thing um with that said i didn't do a crazy deep dive in this particular conversation with mike about his upbringing with the music it is touched upon a bit in the conversation but i do want to encourage you to uh i'll put the link in the episode notes um you know, before or after, it's only like a four or five minute bit that is up on on the uh, the Pickathon YouTube channel. Um, if you don't want to find the link, you just search Dan Cable Presents uh, Mike and the Moon Pies, and it'll all come up. But it's just like a four or five minute bit of my conversation with Mike at Pickathon, just kind of diving into um, how young he got playing and and. Uh, playing in bars as a teenager and whatnot so if you want to check that out i will put that link in the episode notes along with uh the links for mike and the moon pies if you're listening to this on release day mike and the moon top pies are in uh phoenix arizona tonight february 28th phoenix arizona they're playing at the rebel lounge and i happen to be in phoenix arizona tonight on this fine February 28th, and I'm going to try and make it out to this thing if I can escape the fam for a couple hours. I'm just going to sneak on out and go see Mike and the Moon Pies because this band fucking rips, and I'm super excited to share this episode with you. After that, they take a little bit of a break, and they head to Europe at the end of March, which is rad, and these guys are hustling, man. They're grinding on the road and playing a lot of dates, so if you like what you hear, they're maybe going to come to a city near you soon so i suggest that you uh you give them a follow you see what they're about there's a there's quite a few records to check out on the uh, the spotify's and itunes there's a really cool live record that goes really deep on the catalog a lot of killer songs in there but uh yeah man these last two records that the band has made with adam are are killer and we uh we chat a lot about the production of uh, Cheap Silver and Solid Gold Country Hits, which is the most recent record. And we uh, 
feature a track at the end of that. Um, the other two songs that we're going to feature throughout this episode are a little more laid back and down tempo. So I thought we would we would kick things off with uh, with something a little more ripping. And uh, we're going to get into it, man. Like I said, all the links in the episode notes. Don't forget to leave your iTunes reviews. I want to thank Mike and Adam for taking the time to do this thing. Um, really appreciate their time, and I had so much fun uh, doing this. This is definitely a, a big deal to me and one of my favorite episodes of of this podcast. We're going to do the thing, man. Episode 203. 203. Mike and the Moon Pies are on the show. We're going to kick it off with a track off of the Steak Night at the Prairie Rose album. And uh, this is a song called Might Be Wrong. Let's do the damn thing. Well, I've been watching since you walked in. You ain't talking to none of your friends. And you can't keep your eyes off me. Even a fool like me can see that I have started a raging fire. Your body is a glowing with burning desire. Uh, you guys ready to 
jump into this thing? Yeah, we are. Let's do it. Mike and Aaron. Super Adam. S- Adam sorry. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> You're um, okay. All right, fellas. Yeah. Let's do the thing. Uh, I'm super stoked to sit down with uh, with both of you. I got to uh, I got to hang with Mike at Pickathon and do an interview there. And yeah, that was a cool uh, little trailer. Yeah, man. Um, <laughs> you were one of my favorite interviews of well, the thank you very much. of the weekend. <laughs> I, had, I had a good time chatting with you. And I got to talk with Adam kind of like while they were uh, getting you all mic'd up and whatnot. Setting up, yeah. Yeah. So we got to chat a little bit. I was bit. doing some recon on you like, <laughs> with, with Adam. I was like, oh, tell me about this guy. What's Don't talk about this stuff. No, <laughs> but I'm stoked to sit down with the, the both of you this time around because I know that, that Adam is a big part of the, the process with Mike and the Moon Pies. Yeah. And Change the game. <laughs> so I'm, I'm stoked to get his input on this whole thing and, and see where that all comes from. And, uh, yeah, your band just blew me away. at picked on, man. It's, oh, it's, you, man. uh, it was, you got a shred. Thanks, man. That was an exciting weekend, dude. <laughs> the record came out that day. Yeah. And I'd been wanting to do Pickathon for a long time. We were like doing that. We had rented the tour bus. It was a cool, cool weekend. You know, we had a plan to put out that record that weekend for a while. And then all of a sudden we find out that Tyler is releasing his album at the same time. And we briefly had a moment of, do we push? Because our release was a secret. You know, it was just dropping and we had a, uh, yeah. do we change that? And we're like, nah, let's do it. We're both going to be at the festival together. Like, let's just. Yeah. And then we ended up with like our buses parked next to each other. It was awesome. The bands (laughs) hanging out together and stuff like that. It was a blast, you know. It was funny because I was watching the band before I got to talk with you that day and. I knew Adam was some part of this band. He was just behind the stage, just like <laughs> singing along to every word. And I was just like, this guy's got to be the manager. But then like further talking to you guys, you know, also the producer of this music. And um, yeah, it was it was just very, very cool to see. Everybody his, likes to, his enthusiasm for everybody that. likes to talk about that. Like the real show is watching Adam watch us from, <laughs> yeah. from side stage. Right. So good. <laughs> They always miss those little like eye contact when like somebody hits something a little weird and I just look at them and kind of <laughs> shake the head. I used to be like when you first started coming to shows, like after we made like the steak night record, <laughs> I used to be completely paranoid about oh. everything. It's like, oh, Adam's here again. <laughs> it's like, I got to really like sell this show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you can't have Adam be more yeah. enthusiastic than yeah. you are on yeah, stage. Yeah, man, this is going to be tough. <laughs> and, uh, but that's so, I, I don't know. I love when you get to see somebody that isn't is you know an observer and a participator in some way but to like see his enthusiasm yeah man is really dope because you're obviously like you've heard these songs how many times yeah. and you're still fired up about it i heard them a, a thousand times before the record even yeah. came out before we started <laughs> doing them live you know yeah it's fun though because i like i like i can look at you at certain moments and like we can have full conversations <laughs> yeah. while you're standing side stage while I'm just like up there doing the thing. Yeah, that just certain <laughs> eye movement and movement. It's just like, okay, yeah. I was like, oh, we're going to hear this. about that later on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know Mike grew up like around music and a lot of musicians from a very early age and, and was playing in bars as a teenager. And, uh, but what about you, Adam? What did you have the early exposure to music that, that Mike did? Yeah, my father, uh, it was funny, I guess when he was about 40, so I was probably about four or five years old. Uh, 
just wanted to start learning to play guitar and he fell into doing front of house for bands and managing like cover bands and stuff like that. And this was in Philadelphia and it was a lot of country stuff. And so my parents were divorced and certain weekends, like my dad would, you know, have me and I just spent weekends, you know, as probably six and seven years old, just in bars, you know, and sleeping, you know, like in the, the back room of the bar or something like that for a few extra hours and everything. So I grew up around it. And I have a half-brother, way older, like 10 years older than me, that played piano. Dad played guitar, and my dad tried to teach me guitar, and I was so frustrated with it and because I just couldn't make the chords. And then he handed me a bass, and he was like, well, let me show you a walking bass line and this. And every morning I would just get up and like watch cartoons, and there was a little metronome, and I'd practice that. And then my dad started kind of... Eventually, when I went to school and stuff, I learned what like Nashville notation was and stuff and how to read charts. But that's how he taught me how was just like, okay, if you know a major scale, these numbers incorporate to that. And so you know which are major and minor and go like that. And so I remember in a in Cub Scouts, my dad, like one of the first songs I ever learned was Tulsa time. (laughs) And so we did Tulsa time. And then my dad was like, Okay, we're going to do this Johnny Cash song. So remember the two chords in Tulsa time where you're going to add this to it and go. And I was like, this, the second song I ever played live was like on the fly. <laughs> and that's like stuck with me. I mean, when we were in Key West, uh, we were playing a bunch of shows for Mile Zero. And, um, and Jamie Lynn had this Jamie Lynn Jamboree thing at the last night. And her bass player had to fly out. And she just like the night before when Mike was singing with her at the ladies 80s night. Uh, she just comes up to me and she goes, can you play bass for two hours? Uh, just back a bunch of people. And I was like, sure, why not? I mean, I'll, I can sit. I don't know any of these songs. <laughs> and so it's just kind of always been that way. But yeah, so I, I've always been around music, but, you know, and bass has always been my main instrument. Yeah. Both of you guys kind of grew up in these environments where you saw that people were doing this thing as yeah. a living and maybe not as huge rock stars but sure. as like these lower class middle class musicians that were getting by paying their bills yep. playing all, music. That, that like got to me uh, when i was because when i was in high school uh me and kyle had like a blues band he was the, he's the drummer and we had like a like just a cover blues band right and i was totally happy just like playing covers for four hours like at my like i like barbecue cook-offs and stuff like that and like i was making money doing it in high school so i was like this is cool and then like later on in high school, then you have like people have like garage bands, you know, and stuff like that. And so then I was like, oh man, these people are like writing their own stuff. And I felt like, oh, I'm missing out on that thing. <laughs> so I was like, okay. So then I could start like writing and creating my own thing. So, but I was that there was a time probably when I was early teenager, I was like, yeah, I can just do cover band stuff. This is going to be fine. <laughs> yeah. Did, did that even carry into the original starting of Mike and the Moon Pies? Because I know you were yeah. you were just playing covers and that was it in the dance halls, right? Yeah, I mean basically when I when I moved to Austin, I you know, I was I had been writing some stuff with a friend of mine in high school and uh and we had made like some like bedroom records, you know what I mean? And uh just with the stuff he was writing and I was writing a little bit. And then I moved to Austin, I started to really kind of get into it and like explore that I had gone to that recording school and I started like a write stuff and I could record it at my house and and uh that wasn't really I wasn't really making any money doing it. It was just kind of a you know experiment for me. So the Moon Pie thing was kind of just me going back to like let's just do a cover band thing and we can make money around town. And I can still work on this. Yeah. And then that morphed into like okay, well now I can write some of these 
songs that are like these country songs that we're doing for money. And in the dance hall, you just sneak them in every like three or four t- songs. As long as they sound like the other yeah, stuff, Yeah, those right? people don't know. They just <laughs> want to dance. <laughs> yeah. That's a cool way to get to like enter your new tunes. Yeah, for as sure. As well, like amongst all these other jams that everybody it, loves. Like that's that's like uh, for, I think our whole band is based on the idea that we just like learned all of these songs that like I knew all the words to that are like country, 90s country or 80s country or traditional classic anything. And then you just write songs that are like, write the write another verse to that song, right? Like that was kind of a trick. Yeah. It was like uh, George Strait, The Fireman or something, right? Or anything like that, because we play the song every night. I was like, okay, so if, what if I wrote like another verse of that song, and then I just changed a couple things, and I made my own song out of that? Those people that are in the dance club, they don't even know what's going on. You know, they're just like, if they dance to The Fireman, they're going to dance to this song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Did you... Uh were you still like not bothered at all by playing covers too? You're having like a lot of fun yeah. doing that still. Yeah, it, it was cool and it, it was it was easy. And like the bass player Preston at the time, uh, we grew up at the same with the same radio. You know what I mean? Basically, so he knew all of these songs. So it was a thing, kind of like you're saying. Like everybody was just kind of thrown into the fire. And like if there was any song that I halfway knew all the words to, I could just call it out. The drummer knows what it is, and the bass player knows where it's going because he's heard that song a thousand times when he was a kid. Yeah. So it was easy to just fill up four hours just doing whatever songs I could think of. Or we would hear something on the radio on the way to the show, and I was like, oh, we could play that song. I think I know all the words of that. And we'd play it that night. So like, it, was, it was a fun thing to do, and it was always exciting to do it. Um, you know, but there's that at some point... I was like, man, I gotta do something else. Because <laughs> those are the type of gigs that you that you are playing, like sure. three, four hours in a night sometimes. Yeah. yeah, that was the way it went for a and long I, time. I would imagine that you know takes its toll and gets exhausting. Well, yeah, now, a set dude. Like that. Now, if they if they say that we have to do anything more than ninety minutes, I'm like, no way. <laughs> <laughs> what what is uh for for someone who hasn't experienced like the Texas dance hall yeah. scene, like. What does that look like? Like, what is that <laughs> um, all about? <laughs> it looks, I think, like you would imagine it. <laughs> it's, you know, it's like, it's all like old, you know, it's just, uh, it's an older group of people. It's, it's In Austin, it became like this younger generation got really into that scene because uh, like the Broken Spoke became like a hip thing to do and you could go there and dance and, and like around all the old timers and, um, but it's just, you know, it's old old buildings that sound cool <laughs> and uh, smell like beer. <laughs> it's it's funny too because having, you know, the Moon Pie starting off as a as a dance hall band like right when I'd say Steak Night came out is when things had started changing because suddenly you had fans coming to listen to the songs and see the show and then you had the dance hall groups coming in and there was a little bit of a clash. Like I remember uh, the New Year's Eve at the White Horse, eighteen to nine in the right. nineteen. Like there was a bunch of us standing there, and I was like, "That's a small stage," and like I'm not. I wasn't side stage. I was out front, and I remember me and our buddy Casey and stuff were standing there, and this woman just came up to us and she was like, "Can you please stop singing along and get out of the way so we can dance to this band?" <laughs> and we're just thinking to ourselves, just like, "Wait a minute, this is so weird," because it's like. These, all these people know the words of the songs are there to see the band and then you have this group that just want to hear danceable songs yeah you know? <laughs> I think I kind of upset a lot of those people there at that point in time because I got 
kind of adamant about like I didn't I don't want it. I wanted all these people that came to the show that knew all the words to come up and like stand in front and watch the show and like that's why I like playing rock clubs now you know what I mean because I can do that and everybody can stand up front but yeah. the the dance the dance crowd was like really entitled to us because they basically we were that's the only people we were playing to for five years prior to that or whatever right so it became like this really kind of I think they were kind of mad at me and like because I was always like. Why don't you guys just go dance in the back and let all these people come? <laughs> yeah, let the fans <laughs> the front. Hard for them to understand that yeah, transition sure. of yeah. like, oh, like this band has a fan yeah. base outside of yeah. playing my like, favorite times. Songs they are changing, man. <laughs> Did that kind of happen with Steak Night? Is that when that started to? I think so. To that, roll out, Mockingbird probably a little before then. Yeah, well, that and was the, like Mockingbird was the first record where we like got some stuff on like local radio and and it started to kind of happen a little bit. But the steak night thing was like everybody knew all the words to those things, yeah, and like they really came out for that record. Able to hit some more markets too, yeah. like after. Yeah, that, I mean that's that was the whole deal when we ran press for that record. We got a new publicist, and and our whole goal was to market ourselves outside of the Texas market because we had been running that thing for almost a decade at that time. You know, just like running the dancehall circuit and doing Texas and Oklahoma. I'd played every bar basically in <laughs> those places. That's wild. And that I there's knew like the, a big enough circuit to just dude, keep doing that for oh, forever. For how, like what? Like ten years, man. Yeah, yeah. But like, but there's people that do it still right now, and they're completely satisfied with that. Which I I totally get it. I mean, there's a lot of big name Texas country artists that really don't go out of like maybe three states. It's like it's I mean? a whole That's own it. scene. Yeah, you can do it forever. Yeah, basically, which is cool. But I wanted to do something else. You know what I mean? Yeah, I would imagine it's like very rewarding to like get to go play like a forty-five minute set yeah. of all of your own tunes, absolutely, and, yeah, man. and let it rip. Because, dude, like now, like we did uh, Seattle last night, and yeah. it was like we like sold that room out. I've never been to Seattle. Yeah, this is <laughs> this is yeah, our first this is time, like first in time in Portland, right? Yeah. Portland, yep. So is, that's been pretty wild. I would <laughs> it's, assume it's to like awesome, to dude. get to like go to these cities you've never been to, and all and and people are just showing up. It's super cool, and dude. then they know the words and like the whole. You know, there's there's always these little cues and stuff. Like, and we 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 saw, especially with the Steak Night record, like getting high at home and, and Steak Night at the Prairie Rose. Like there were certain spots people would sing along, and when you come up to here. And they sing along, like in the breaks and stuff like that. And we're just like, oh. Yeah, like, now I can do these things where I like let the crowd sing like the last chorus. And it's trust like, that it's just going to yeah, happen. Yeah, it's just yeah. going like, to Whatever city you're yeah, in. Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, it's, it's like, crazy. and especially with the, with the new record, you look good in neon. Yeah. Like last night in the Tractor Tavern, it was just like. Everybody right, in that place. sang the last chorus yeah. completely, the whole thing. And it was with the band playing. It was like, this is awesome. Yeah, so cool. cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. Mike, I just think you're a you're a very good storyteller through your your lyrics, man. You oh, paint thanks. a you paint a picture that is uh, pretty fucking cool. Oh, and thank you, man. It, it's uh, you know, it's always I guess the right what you know thing or whatever. But that's always like I always wanted to. I was never good at like necessarily using a lot of metaphors or anything. I kind of just straight up say the thing. Yeah, say <laughs> what I think. You know, it's just it's. I don't know. There's an art to both of those things. Yeah, sure. And obviously there's an audience yeah, for man. both of those things. And uh, yeah, I think that just the way you deliver some things like on on Steak Night, on that particular song, just the way you, you talk about divorce right. and like things of uh, 
seeing seeing your ex-spouse in in your ch- your child or something <laughs> yeah, like that like yeah. that's that's like super heavy shit yeah and, but <laughs> that's yeah that's just stuff that like i guess like somewhere in the back of my mind just stuck with me you know like when all that was going was happening you know it's like this is the things that i recognize as happening yeah like i could see like even though i was that young i could recognize something like that like my mom sees my dad and me and yeah because like, i was like because i wanted to live with my dad because we just we just like Partying. <laughs> yeah. He was taking yeah. you to the bar to play guitar. Yeah. So I think this is gonna work out fine. <laughs> no, that but I don't know. That's just like something that like resonated heavy, just the way you spoke about divorce in that song for some reason. Yeah. Like for someone that, you know, a lot has of people divorced parents it, and but like yeah, yeah. Ha- over half of us right. <laughs> do. That's so right. like it's yeah. obviously like a very relatable thing, but just the way you you broke it down and like weaved it into the story of like where you were staying at different houses and whatnot sure. and it was, <laughs> was just very, very cool. And, uh, yeah, just, uh, I think you explore a lot, a lot of different vibes with the cheap silver and solid country gold. There's, there's just like, there's some soul yeah. in there that, that gets explored. Um, when, definitely more of a self-reflective record. They've been kind of looking at my past. It's kind of just like, like looking at me, like in the past, five to ten years <laughs> yeah yeah um is that something that going along having a kid kind of kind of yeah. puts upon you a bit more yeah there was i mean you know like uh i'm not really living out that the things like you know my my father's past anymore now it's like i'm creating my own you know line and so it's kind of like looking at that and how i'm dealing with the recent like just having my son right before we made that record and writing that record at the same time. So all that kind of just naturally happened to where it's like, it was like uh, Steak Night or Mockingbird or any of that. They were kind of like letters to my dad, right? And now it's like a letter to my son kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Sturgill <laughs> did a record like that. Yeah. Right sure before did. his kid was born. Yeah. And, and that's like, <laughs> yeah. that's an awesome, I don't know, it gave, gave me that same vibe of like listening to Danger because I know sure. that's, Sure. about your son so like listening to those lyrics i'm like oh this is like a very, like you were saying it's just a letter to yeah. him and like for some <laughs> him, yeah. him to chew on in the future sure, like course, oh yeah. dad dad was uh trying to send me some messages yeah, yeah. this is what was happening you know? when, I, <laughs> when i was born <laughs> um when do you and adam cross paths how does how does this start happening that um we were gonna make a live at the windstar record because uh, we were doing a residency there and doing like two or three night stands. So it was, we thought, okay, we can record this show and choose from some of the nights, you know, to do it. And we had called another guy and he wasn't available. So he called Adam. Yeah. And that was the first time we ever met, actually. Yeah. I mean, I had seen the band just, you know, in Austin. You're just one of those, oh, let's go drinking and see the Moon Pies. I never thought much about it except they were a great country band. And, you know, I had engineered and produced a bunch of records and 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 some of the other artists that i worked with knew the guys and stuff like that but it was never like when when my buddy will called and said dude i can't do this but can you go up to the windstar this weekend i was like yeah i'm actually available the entire time and let's go up i love the band so this will be fun and uh we met outside the windstar casino loading Loading in, that's when we shook hands for the first time, and I'm like, I'll be your engineer on this. <laughs> and I think by the end of that, by the time we recorded the first show and we're drinking at the bar that evening, and we had we did three nights, uh, I 
think Mike and I were already discussing what became steak night. Yeah. Like we immediately just hit it off and and we knew like I was a fan of the band and we just knew we could make a country record that, you know. Yeah, it became like obvious that yeah. we were going to start working on a record like right after that. Yeah, I'd imagine like getting those three nights too. You really had yeah. some ideas after night three about like what what could what yeah happen. what the, what the next what what they're able to do and what the next thing was and 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 we've talked about it since then too. But it's like the the live record was Mike's way of showing the band that we can go in the studio even before I was involved. It was like him showing hey we can all go in the studio and make kind of a live feeling record. Like we can work out these parts and stuff like that, and you know. People don't have to overthink anything. Let's just have some fun with it. And then and then I think when I came along, it was just one of those just like, okay, we've got this magic circle of people and let's make a cool country record, which is all we were going for at the first. Yeah, you know. for sure. I mean, like, I, I, you know, I didn't have like these, you know, uh, this is going to be a breakout record kind of thing. It was just like, I just wanted to make that record. You know what I mean? It was just like all about making that particular album with these particular group of people. You know, and, and uh, we were listening. We were listening to a lot of Gary Stewart and Johnny Paycheck and yeah. stuff, you know. And it was just like, and all of it. I think as we were putting Steak Night together, because it would be like Mike would play us a song, and then immediately all of us would be like, you know, maybe change. You know, I'd be like, change a chord here and do this and drop this and try this, and then all of us would sit in and start making those harmony licks. You know, Mike would kind of have a melody in his head. And then all of us would sit there and be like, okay, do this harmony and do this, and maybe this is an answer part, and and then yeah. we just cut the song. Yeah, it was it was it was the first time that we made all like a record in that way, and in, in so many ways, because like I had never shown the band any of these songs before, like before we went into the studio, like I had already just kind of pre-proed them in my house, recorded some demos, and like came up with maybe some melody lines, maybe some guitar riffs that I thought would be cool. But nobody had heard that until we got into the studio. And then we sit in the kitchen and I would play that song. And then that was the first time for the band to ever hear it, the first time we'd ever done anything like that. Because we normally would go get a rehearsal space and rehearse all the songs. Yeah. So this was the first time with that. And then the first time to really have like a producer at the helm that was going to actually help us make those songs better. <laughs> and not not keep their mouth shut and like yeah. really voice their opinions. Exactly, man. Was, and that's when it became like, okay, this is the way we're going to do this from now on. Yeah. Was it easy for you to see that right away? Was it easy to allow Adam to yeah, letting, actually, I mean, like to let his voice be heard and like, whatnot? Like you said, dude, when, when we were hanging out those three days at the Windstar, I think we both knew, like, okay, we can say whatever we want to say about music yeah. to each other. And it's it's gonna we're gonna be able to bounce the tennis ball back and forth, man. Yeah, because it's never like that's one thing. I think what attracted me to to the band and Mike and not just his writing, but the ability to like when it comes to the the parts and the music and stuff and even lyrics and everything. It's like there's no ego. Whatever's better is better. Like bounce it back and forth. Like you know, here's my idea, here's yours, and then create something cool and you know just whatever's gonna make the song the best. You know, and, and really fun to play, you know, and, and think about it, you know, that who knows how many nights in a row we're going to be playing this song for how many years and stuff. It needs yeah. to be something that everybody is really proud of. That was you know? a big part of that record is like I wanted to make it where everybody enjoyed playing whatever they're doing. So that was why it came more like like he was saying, I was setting it up with the live record. If those guys are going to get comfortable playing whatever that is going to naturally they're going to naturally play because you're going to be playing those songs every night. It should be fun. They're going to so be more excited thing. about exactly it. Exactly right. So the whole record was kind of 
geared towards that too. Yeah. Do you think also uh, not kind of having those rehearsal? Oh yeah. So with that also added to that of just kind of everybody capturing like stuff on the fly more and not yeah. overthinking things. Because at that time, dude, it was the most like band record we'd ever done. Like it wasn't just me. Like here's what we're gonna play. Here's you know what I mean. Uh, it was just everybody came up with their own ideas and then we just yeah. fixed whatever we wanted to fix. And so everybody was pretty happy with whatever came out on the other side. Yeah. And uh, that's the current lineup. Yep. With, with the band right now. We did have uh, John Carbone on keys uh, back then and Preston played bass on that record. Yeah. Preston was still playing bass. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, and, and Johnny is still, even though he's not playing keys with us, he's still part of the organization and stuff. Yeah. And so he just, he went back home to some family on the East Coast and everything. Yeah. And, and Johnny was still part of uh, Cheap Silver, too. Yeah, he was, he's on that record, too. Yeah. Right on. Well, let's, uh, let's jump into a jam. Yeah. Uh, I was talking about your storytelling with Steak Night at the Prairie Rose, so we're going we're gonna to get into uh, that jam right now. Yeah. Let's hear it. <laughs> TV, 
Cheap silver and solid country gold. You go out to Abbey Road Studios. <laughs> yeah. How did how did that all uh, shake out, Adam? So before Steak Night even came out, like we had a release of the first week of February of eighteen. Sure. Yes, eighteen. <laughs> and uh, it was December. I remember uh, December. I remember Mike. I was doing something and somebody sent me a Frank Sinatra video doing uh, when I was 17 live. Like it was, it was them recording that song. And so I'd send it to Mike and then Mike proceeded to just be like, I've seen this. This is great. I'm a big Sinatra fan. Told me about him doing a little quartet show in Austin one night. And, uh, and it became, became like a, well, what if we did a country record? like that with with strings and stuff like that like a really orchestrated thing where the band is still the band but you know and i've i've got a studio yellow dog studios in in wimberley and my studio partner dave we've worked at abbey road before he's worked a bunch i had worked there one other time engineering and he goes well why don't we just do it at abbey road with the london symphony and it was kind of like ha 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 (laughs) (laughs) and i said uh well, get a quote on a price. Like, let us know, you know, what it's going to be. And so he made some calls and had a budget. And I was like, Mike, this is how much it's going to be for us to do this. And we were like, let's just go for it. I mean, what's 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 the worst that can happen? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so uh, then we had to write the record. <laughs> yeah. And we didn't have any material. <laughs> and, and writing the record just as Steak Night is coming out. Yeah. So it's like the show's... Well, as as we were doing Steak Night, like when we got into the mix phase, Mike and I started talking about how to release the record, which that's kind of when I came in and Mike was just like, dude, do you want to co-manage the band with me? Because we're already like planning all this stuff. And I was like, yeah, sure. You know, because I've never managed. I've always just produced and engineered and mixed records. And so we had this whole plan. We got a publicist involved and everything. We had this whole plan of steak night, and then it was like immediately like, okay, well the band knows it, but now we got to write songs yeah. and figure out because we had the the band had a, a gig in France, so we're like we're already going to be over there. Let's book the studio time, and so we booked the studio time, and then it's like okay, well Dave Percival also wrote all the string arrangements. He needs time to write the arrangements, 
So we got to write the song so he has time to write the string arrangements so we can okay everything. And so we jumped in, I think, in March or April. I think it was April when we started on it. Yeah. And we sat in, in my studio, Yellow Dog, for a week, which was the first time that I think the whole band just sat and wrote. Yeah. We've never done that before. And so, I mean, we basically, because at Yellow Dog, they have a bunkhouse thing. So we just stayed there for a week. And I just took every like voice memo note I had on my phone, anything I had that was an idea, and just threw it out. It's like, okay, let's see if we can make this work, see if we make this work. And then we wrote a couple of things just on the fly. Yeah. That weren't even ideas before that. And uh, you know, we, we knew where we wanted to go with it and we knew we had to write like write things that would not only sound good with the symphony behind it, but would also stand alone without the symphony at the show. So that was like another challenge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine. Yeah, I was gonna ask that if the if the songs were kind of written knowing that there needed to be some space um was that dif a difficult process to try to figure that all out not being in the same room with those i feel folks? like more of it was and and maybe because dave is how dave is and, and dave and i have been working together uh producing records together but just in the studio together and playing on each other's stuff for like 10 years and so we are both fans of parts and melodies and counter melodies and stuff. And so I feel like we pretty much just wrote the record like it was just going to be a Moon Pies record. And Dave's genius was coming in and just making all the counter melodies where when you hear them, they're awesome, but you also don't miss them as much when we're out playing these songs live, like even tonight, you know, all the ones we do. And so it was just, and, and he just enhanced everything and, you know, it was just this perfect little, you know, of course, of course, the record starts off with Cheap Silver, which we want, like, just like Steak Night record starts off with uh, Kyle talking and, and, yeah. and Mike about that. the riff. <laughs> One, two, three, bam, yeah. Bam. yeah, which <laughs> so many people quote that so stuff and good, it's dude. crazy. Such but, a cool way to start a record. Like, was, there's no time to like prepare yourself for anything. It's like, no, yeah. one, two, we're like, what's the, oh. <laughs> Where this one was like, we wanted to hit everybody in the face with the symphony. It's just like, bum, 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 dun, you know, and it's just like. It's like this oh, very wow. cinematic thing. Yeah. And so, of course, we had to figure out stuff like that to do live, you know, of how to transition and everything, which that was easy. I mean, you know, just a little more noise and doing guitars, doing it and everything. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was like, it still was just another Moon Pies record. It just yeah. had a different feel and a vibe and. And I knew, every, I knew, like I knew it was going to be a polarizing thing anyway to like the fan base, right? Because it's like off the wall idea. So yeah. I wanted to make sure that it was still just a Moon Pies record. It's still just these guys playing these songs that we wrote. Yeah. So like we, you know, don't overthink that too much. <laughs> you know, yeah. You know, I don't want to change this whole was, band because of this one record. It was never I'm not going to play this because there's going to be strings. Right. It was always like just play like you you would want to play, and that's something that you wanted to do. Zach on Steel, like made the c9 neck yeah c6 or c6 neck that was his thing he was like okay this record i'm gonna learn c6 because he only did a couple things on it and he just sat there and figured things out on that you know and studied that just to to become a better steel player you yeah. know yeah and i don't know i think there's still like there's still a couple ripping songs on there yeah but even throughout the you know more laid-back tempo songs there is like the technicality of the guitar playing on some of those licks are like very fucking cool. Yeah. 
and that's that's stuff that still all comes through like any other Moon Pies record. Yeah, you know, well, that was that, that's kind of like one of the like tricks up a sleeve kind of situation. Like if we, if we if we can twin it, then we're gonna twin it. Yeah. <laughs> like we're gonna get as many people playing this part as can learn this part. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. And I would imagine that I don't know that that bring bringing back to the live show being super fun and having the energy. I would imagine you getting to kind of like have two different forms of this record, like one on on the record and one what you do with it live. Yeah, and that's and that's true. With like a, some of the songs have morphed into like you know this live thing that uh, you know it. I don't, I don't, the tempos aren't necessarily any, any different than what the than what the record is. Maybe a little couple BPMs faster on like Misfortune or something like that. But I mean, it's gotten to the point now where people like now people know those songs, man. So it's like even the ballads are sing along songs, right? So that it helps to you know uh, keep it still an, an entertaining show. You know what I mean? Even though we're throwing in more ballads now into what used to be a pretty burning set. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's it's really worked out that the record uh, was well received. Otherwise, it'd be tough to play some of those ballads during the show. I think those ballads still have a big groove to them. There's like, you know. That's for sure, yeah. yeah. They still got a cool pocket. And it's funny, too, of like, after the like after we went through the album releases, the release shows, we then, like, there kind of became a thing of, okay, so what songs are we going to keep in the set? What are we going to, like, only come back to every once in a while? And I remember, like, in Texas and stuff, like, People would dance and stuff to Misfortune, but it wasn't really like a, like a crowd favorite as like a neon is or something. Yeah. But then we get up to like Chicago and start playing it. And not only do they cheer, but they sing every word to the song. And we're like, okay. So in other parts of the country, Misfortune is a big, huge yeah. song for those it's, people. It's been weird know? to see which songs take off in which markets. And that was kind of something we thought about before the record came out. Is like okay, so maybe we should run like a different radio single in different areas of the country, which people used to do that. Oh yeah, you know, there's there's I saw like some something like uh, about uh, some some person singles from like the '80s or the '90s, and I was like, I have never heard that song, but it was like a number one like in Chicago. Or in, yeah, in that market. Yeah, so that we and there's enough, you know, different stuff on that record to be able to kind of do that. Like, uh, if you want to fool around, I knew it was going to be like this South Texas. Dance hall banner. Yeah. Like. I love that song, dude. <laughs> yeah. I like I like that turnaround you do with that phrase too. On that, like how you use the if you want to fool around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, man. I I that that record dropped while we were at Pickathon. Yeah. And it was yeah. funny because I went home night one. Um, I had you guys like night two or day two for the interview, so I went home like night one and. I was listening to Steak Night, and then I like refreshed the browser, and I'm like, "There's a whole another record there, just like <laughs> yeah. here." And, and like you said, you know, like it it could be like a polarizing thing, but sure. it was it was so cool diving into that and having the orchestral open. I'm just like, "What the fuck is happening?" Yeah. And then yes. just to see that you know operating on like a whole another dynamic of just I don't know. I think it's like very clear when you do something like that well that you know things are clicking and and the songwriting is just super good well thanks man that was a that was a nerve-wracking weekend dude i was like <laughs> i was like i was like gonna cry on that bus when that record came out. i was like finally i don't yeah. have to think about this anymore <laughs> you know now it's like now, now it's out it's happened so now we can just deal with the the backlash yeah exactly. you know? rather than and it's funny because when we knew what our pickathon sets were going to be like you know the the barn the first night and stuff were like, okay, we're putting to bed the steak night record. 
like the steak night tour is going to bed. The last show of it is the barn, yeah, the, the barn thing at, at Pickathon, and then the next show we play because we played noon or twelve thirty yeah, or whatever like early afternoon on the main, show. You know, that's going to be the first. You know, and of course we're never going to get rid of the steak night songs and stuff like that, or anything off Mockingbird or anything. But but there it, were songs we were trying out for the first time live, like on that stage. Yeah, it's <laughs> like here we go. You know, how are people going to react? You know, and. Yeah. It's a great crowd to do it in front of, though. I think that, like, those people man. are just there to like listen to music, and most of us go not knowing how, who many yeah. of the bands are. Dude, that was my that was my thought the whole time when that was going to happen. I was like, this is the probably one of the best places we could possibly do this, like debut something that like is kind of for music fans, right? Because that's who is going to be watching this show. Like if they're out there at noon outside on like a drizzly kind of day, yeah, uh, I was like these people are really into music. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, man. Uh, you can't fake it in front of those people yeah. either. You know, it's like all right, they're gonna authenticity wins. Out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're not looking for some hoopla. <laughs> yeah, bullshit. Um, but yeah, I would also imagine you kind of had like a time crunch to get shit done out there when you were actually out there, right? So. Well, it was like, cause we, you know, we planned it, obviously it was dropping, but we had Rolling Stone and the editor in chief, uh, Joe Hudak from Rolling Stone country was, is good friends of ours. And he went along with us, this random idea of, okay, Rolling Stone's going to drop an article the same moment the record drops and let's see what happens, yeah. you know, and <laughs> nobody had, he had a pre-listen to it and a couple of them, like a few days before, cause our publicist was great. Alexis and she timed out some other articles, but it's like nobody's allowed to. Like it was a very small circle of people that knew about this record, and which was funny because the Steak Night record was the opposite. Where before that came out, we shared that record on Dropbox and stuff with so many people. Yeah, I think <laughs> like, I think everybody had that record on their Dropbox. Like all our musician friends, at least <laughs> at least had it. You know where. We were so quiet about this record, and yeah. most of our friends knew something was up, but they didn't know when, and they didn't know how, and they didn't know what was going on. And then it's like, then we're just answering the phone, yeah. And it's like, and part of it is, it's like, oh my god, like, and and Mike's wife Chase runs all our social media and stuff, and it's like, what are people going to start saying, yeah. you know? Because she's going to be reading it first before we even do, you know. And then it was, you know. It was, turned out to be great you know yeah, how fucking cool like this record that you could maybe think would get some backlash from the community and now yeah. now you're playing like more cities <laughs> yeah. than you've ever played and these people know the songs to these to this yeah, fucking it record totally it's so works, crazy yeah. you know how it all works and it came together we were we were lucky with that and you know just uh and and the the negative comments of the record are like ones that I'm like, okay, I'm fine with that. Like, you know, somebody like, I remember posting a long thing about how, you know, it was too slow right. and, you know, and all this stuff, but nobody's ever knocked the musicianship or the, or the yeah. songwriting or anything about that. It's just like, well, it's not the feel that I like or whatever, you know? Yeah. I mean, like, there's like right. a couple of people that I've seen that said something like that or like, uh, what was that tweet the other day? Some guy was like, I'm going to do a moon pie Monday on my podcast or radio show. And uh, some guy responded, like, don't do that or you'll put all your listeners to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, well, at least, I mean, that guy's heard Cheap Silver, I hey, guess. Hey, he listened yeah, to it. Right? He streamed right? it, man. <laughs> yeah, he streamed it, you know. He might not have listened to Steak Night or anything, but he listened to Cheap Silver. I mean, I think it's cool that you were able to, like, make a record like that. And 
And there's plenty of other like fucking ripping tunes for of people course, to, to check out on other records and this one. Absolutely. They're yeah. still there. It's not like you <laughs> abandoned the whole yeah. fucking thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's hilarious, you know. Yeah, you can't please everybody, but that's I, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. It's good. It's becoming, dude, like if we can make something cool happen, then do that. You know what I mean? Like at the end of the day, all we have are these like records that we have made. Yeah. So like I just want to be happy with those things and I'm super happy with everything we've done. So screw everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's rad to see. I'm, I'm stoked to see what the two of you kind of continue to like reveal within one another. Obviously, <laughs> like, you, yeah, like Mike, do you think you would have came up with this idea to like have this no, orchestral dude. record? I never would have. Adam then, like, in your ear about it. Just like, <laughs> I think we should do this. <laughs> yeah. Adam always Abby throws Rhodes that Studios. stuff to me. And then it's like, okay, I guess I have to make this happen now because Adam came up with this idea. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, all right, man, let me see if we can get this done. <laughs> That's a great motivator. I think we definitely, we always push each other to to make something cooler and, you know, better and different than what we did the last time. And, I mean, we're halfway through another record. Yeah. As we're on the road yeah. going insane, I think two years in a row now, it's over 200 dates. And I know we're going to break 200 dates this year. Yeah. We're going to Europe three times this year. And... It's, yeah. a, it's a whole different world now, you know, and, and we see the offers changing and we see the the cities change, you know, like who's who's embracing us and who wants us and wants us back or we've never been but want us, you know, and it's like, OK, in, in the middle of this, like, oh, well, we got to do another record, you yeah. know, and, and trying to keep up with like what's been happening because of this record and then trying to plan out what's going to happen after it. Is it's been a it's been a crazy year. I mean, it's been, since Pickathon, dude. It's been yeah. Wow. You guys have been moving, man. <laughs> yeah, and everything's you, changed. I mean, that's the thing too. Is like when you do start to get more success, like things just have to keep rolling. Absolutely, so, man. Um, well, I appreciate you guys' time. I know that that tour awesome. schedule can be a little fucking chaotic. So I, I think it's cool that you guys took an hour out of your your day to to hang out and uh, yeah, dude. I got to hang out me. in my tracksuit and lean on this couch. This yeah, is dude. Great. Yeah, yeah. I'm stoked. I got to see like the real behind the scenes Mike in his fucking Adidas yeah. tracksuit and shit before the, he gets the Adidas. The, before he gets the shit kickers out and the whole gamut. That's right. Um, yeah, I I like many of those people at Pickathon didn't know who you were. Right on seeing you there um i listen to your music um probably more than most of the <laughs> things that i uh found out about last year right at pickathon like I, I listen to steak night all the time dude like when, when i need to get <laughs> shit going that, that road work you know you gotta you gotta kick kick the day off right well i'm glad you sometimes it, but um and That's and it's very cool because like my music library is probably made up of like 10 percent country music right so it's not like my go-to, yeah. And oh, I'm yeah. like still discovering more and trying to like go back and find the shit that I that I do like as like time goes on. Sure. So it was like it was very cool, like the way your your band grabbed me. Well, so. thanks, man. Yeah, and I mean like that's kind of one of the things that I, I hope our band can do for a lot of people is like turn them on to like if they don't know who Johnny Paycheck is now my, they might listen to some Paycheck yeah. <laughs> or something like that you know what yeah. I mean yeah I'm gonna go home and listen to Johnny Paycheck on the way home probably <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna be looking even at better show. like YouTube some of those TV shows and stuff like that he's got there's some 
70s Johnny Paycheck shows that are just yeah, like, man. you see that band, how ripping they are, and just yeah. how fantastic. I mean, it's like, <laughs> and then you'll see uh, where Steak Night came from, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that record. And that was the thing when I saw the Moon Pies. I was like, this is as much rock and roll uh, yeah. than anything. Well, and this on. is perfect, like this, and we're trying, we're working on doing more dates with Quaker City Nighthawks because uh, we, we've known each other for years and years and years, and fans, you know, mutual admiration society of both bands. Yeah. And like I, I saw last night, like a couple people in front that as soon as Quaker City was done, the one lady goes, who's the next band? Right. And the lady, the, the, the couple next to her was just like, they're Mike and the Moon Pies, stay up here for it. And obviously they didn't know the band and they were converted immediately. Fucking and then right I saw there. them buying yeah. merch at the merch table. Oh, yeah. You know, and it's like that, you know, and that's why we wanted to do this, like a run with Quaker City and do more. It's just like, okay, I think we're com- two completely different bands that complement each other really yeah. well. Yeah, and the fan base, man, if you if you like either one of us, you're going to like the other band for sure, man. I mean, that's, that's they're, they're like this fucking just badass southern rock band that fucking murders, and they've been doing it forever, and we just, we we fit in a club so good together, dude. It's like, I'm, I'm so happy this is happening right now. I've wanted to do it for a decade. There's, you know, <laughs> there is a genre of music called Texas music, and you know, and and I've been there since the late '90s with that genre, yeah. making records. But I feel like this is the epitome of what Texas is, because they're a Fort Worth band and we're an Austin band, and it's like this is what a country band from Texas is like, and that's what a rock and roll band from Texas yeah, is dude, like. Yeah, dude, it's the ZZ Top thing, man. Yeah, it's not. We're not like Texas country or whatever. It's just those are the dudes from Texas. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. That's and, that, and we're proud. We're proud Texans. That's yeah. for sure. You know. Well, I dig it, man. I appreciate you guys. Uh, we end every episode of the podcast with the guest saying the tagline for the show, which is "It's a program." <laughs> so okay. if we could get the "It's a program," you guys can do it together, maybe, or or you know, it's, it's a program. program. They nailed it, everybody. <laughs> That's Mike and the Moon Pies. It's Adam and Mike, and uh, we're gonna play it out with uh, a song off Cheap Silver and Solid Country Gold, and we're going to play it out with Cheap Silver. Perfect. So everybody Perfect. can get those those big orchestral vibes, <laughs> all the strings get in the your string. face. Uh, and yeah. um, I'll put all the links in the episode notes so people can uh, follow along with what you're doing. If they're new to the band, can't uh, encourage people enough to go see the live show and uh, and check out all the records. There's a bunch of music to, to check out and go back on. So uh, that is it. That's the Jelly Jams, everybody. And we will catch you on the flip side, Portland. I think I'll buy us all around. We can toast the cheapest silver. It had lonesome sound. The nights we don't remember. All this second-hand smoke Sure takes me back to the old days When we were in on the joke And out on the highway So here's to another 
I think I'll buy us all around But these days I need a chaser I wish this band would turn down It's all reverb and phaser Hey, would you listen to me? It's, it's a program. program. 